Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We find ourselves in the 12th verse. We're making our way through the Ten Commandments together. uh, And it is so uh, just been rich just hearing the word of the Lord and the law of the Lord. I hope you've enjoyed them. If you've missed some of these, you can always go to our website, elkdale.org, and you can find as we've journeyed through them. Also, uh, over the last couple of weeks, if you you may not know, but I'm sure most of you do, we've been offering Sunday school lessons as well. Uh, JB and, and others in the church have been recording an adult lesson. So if you haven't been able to keep up with Sunday school, you can do that there. So all of our resources are there. And and let's just do this for just a second. Would you do me a favor and just thank our worship band and our pianist and, and brother Micah. Uh, Micah uh, went down in his back uh, and then, you know, we prayed for him and, and the Lord through surgery healed him not a moment too soon. Because as soon as he came back from his uh, sabbatical of laying on the floor, uh, you know, we went into our uh, exile and needed a tech guru. And so all of the technology, all the organizing, all of that, that's been Brother Micah. And so what a blessing it has been to have him back. Of course, he laid on the floor for weeks up to that. So, you know, he he needed to uh, get on the ball there as well. So Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse uh, 12 is where we find ourselves. We've been walking through the Ten Commandments. uh, And this morning, uh, we, we find ourselves in the transition. Now, I hope you've taken up the challenge uh, to learn the Ten Commandments with us. We wanted to learn Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, which says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I see you moving your lips. Amen. And it's the reason why we memorize that verse is because that verse is the setting for the Ten Commandments. And we never, ever, ever should forget that the setting for the Ten Commandments is the grace of God. God had already rescued them out of Egypt. God had already redeemed them to himself. God already called them his people. So when he gives them the law, when he gives them the commandments to obey, it's not a commandment as in you better obey these or I'm not going to be your God. It's since I'm your God, respond by obeying. And here's the wonderful thing about it. We want to love God. And it's really helpful when you're in a relationship with someone that they tell you how to love them. And God does that. God says, this is how I want you to show your love for me. Here are my commandments. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to live now in this relationship. And we're memorizing the Ten Commandments as a memory list. And so number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not uh, make for yourself an idol Number three, you shall keep uh, the Sabbath, right? Keep the Sabbath. Wait, no, that's not it. Yeah, you shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. I'm still working on them. Uh, Number four, I actually know them, but I did that for your confidence, right? Uh, Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then today we add Exodus 20 verse uh, 12, where he says, honor your father and mother. I'm particularly happy about this one today, right? So honor your father and mother. Now you can tell... Between commandment number four and five, there's a drastic transition. In the first four commandments, they deal with our relationship with God. They are vertical commandments. They deal with how we are to walk with Him and love Him, how we are to approach His name and keep our Sabbath and and not make idols and make no other gods. And then in commandment number five, the rest of the commandments, five through, through ten, the other six here, we find the transition that deal with community. It deals with one another. And so what you have in the Ten Commandments is you have first the vertical commandments between you and God, and then the horizontal commandments between one another. And and let us be clear about this before we go any further. 
There is no difference in the weight of the commandments. To break number six is the same as to break number two. To disobey God in commandment three is the same to disobey God in commandment ten. So we shouldn't view them as separate, but we should see them this way. If we don't get the first four right, if we don't have our relationship with God right, if we're not walking with Him like we should, then having the rest of the commandments, our relational community commandments in harmony, will be foolish. It'll be hard. There's no way to love your neighbor as you're supposed to if you don't love God like you should. Those things don't work. They, they, they are contradictory. In fact, Jesus would hang all the commandments on this statement in the Gospel of Matthew where he would simply say these words and they ask him, Teacher, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus would say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then without prompting, Jesus added, And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting the Ten Commandments in summary form. Get your relationship with God right and then love those around you. And what's interesting is, is when you read the New Testament, the apostles were convinced that one of the clearest and most obvious ways in which we show our love for God is how we love others. Let me give you an example. First John chapter 4 verse 20. The apostle writes these words, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has been, who he has, excuse me, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. The apostle says, if you say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor, you don't serve people, you don't do commandment six through 10, then you're certainly not keeping commandment one through four. And so the way we express our love for God is found in how we love others, how we love one another. And so when we make this transition, we need to be clear that these are not secondary commandments, that they are a part of the 10 words in Hebrew that God has given us in order that we may honor Him. Now we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to read verse 1 through 12, just so we kind of get the setting all together of the Ten Commandments. So Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a card image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of fathers on children to the third and fourth generation. For those who hate me, verse 6, but showing steadfast love to the thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments, verse 7. You shall not take the Lord, your God, uh, the Lord your God's name in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your sons, your daughters, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, your sojourner who's within your gates. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And now our commandment of the day, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land, and that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray together. Father, help us this morning, Lord, understand what does it mean to honor our father and mother. 
What is the promise to be long in the land? What does the text mean, Father? What did you mean when you said it to Israel some 3,000 plus years ago? What does it mean for us today, here, now? What does it mean for those of us who may not know our parents or our parents are long with you, Father? What, what does it mean for us to honor that? What does it look like? Lord, we want to hear your word. We want to obey your word. We want to love you in obedience because you have rescued us. You have saved us. And so, Father, we pray now as we examine this, this one word, these few uh, syllables of this verse, Lord, we pray that you would just, by your power and your spirit, Lord, we would just glean every nugget of truth from your word today. And, Father, it would change us. It would conform us. Lord God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is not a Christian parent alive that has probably not tried to use this verse in order to coerce behavior, right? Honor your father and mother. We learn this verse. We put it in our arsenal. We want the Bible school teacher to teach it to our children when they're little. We want the Sunday school teacher to reinforce it every time they see our kids. Heck, we'd like the lady at Taco Bell to say it to our kids out the window from time to time just to reinforce that we are to honor our father and mother. And the issue with that is, is that we pick up this verse and we think somehow it's a discipline stick. That anytime our children are getting away from what they're supposed to be doing, we throw out, honor your father and mother. It's in the Bible. You better do it. You're not going to live long in the land. You better obey. And we wield this thing like it's a spiritual paddle, right? And this is the idea of this verse. But, but I think there's more to it than that. I think there's more to it than just coercing children into good behavior. That, that when you survey the rest of the Old Testament where this verse is found, or you survey the rest of Scripture where parents and children are invoked, you find that it's much deeper than somehow submission or obedience by itself. Though that's part of the text. There's probably something else we should say before we dive into this as well. Let me see if I can help us understand that when God brought the children of Israel to the mountain of Sinai, to the bottom of the mountain, and he came down and he spoke the Ten Commandments to them, he's speaking to the whole nation. Man, woman, child, boy, girl. And so we must not read this commandment as a children's sermon. There aren't nine grown-up commandments and one child commandment. They are all the commandments of God given to all the people of God. So we have to, especially those of us in the room that are adults, and some of you have been adults for a while now, you need to understand that this is not just for the little ones, right? That was kind of a joke. It's been a while, okay? This is not just for the little ones. This is not a children's sermon. Moses didn't stop in the middle of God's command, gather up the little children and say, now this commandment's especially for you. It was for the whole nation. And so what does it mean to honor your father and mother? What is God calling us to in this text? What does it mean for you and I to live a life in this manner? And so there's a couple of things I want to do. I want to ask three questions uh, from the text and then try to answer them. The first question is simply this. How do we honor our father and mother? What does it mean to do this? What is it? Obviously, if you've studied the Ten Commandments with us along the way, there is a great vagueness to the commandments. There's not this pinpoint idea, like remember last week where it was remember the Sabbath. We didn't get a list of rules about what you were allowed to do and not to do on the Sabbath. We give this big overarching principle. So when the Bible says honor your father and mother, we want to do our very best to obey that scripture, but we've got to ask ourselves, what is God calling us to in this text? What does he mean? Well, we can learn some things from the word and where it's found other. First of all, the word honor. The Hebrew word for honor here means weighty. It means heavy. 
It's the idea that the position of parent, regardless of the person, is a position of weight or heaviness. We would say this about someone who has authority. We might say that the sheriff is a weighty position, regardless of who holds it. Or the mayor is a weighty position. Or the president is a position that carries weight, regardless of who holds it. That the, that the position itself deserves an amount of respect and honor because of the gravitas that it has. Well, that's the same with parents. A child should approach the position of parents thinking to themselves, these are the folks that brought me into the world. These are the folks that help me, that serve me, that watch over me, that protect me. By the sheer title of parent alone, there is a weightiness that should be given to that. And so when we say the idea of honoring, we mean to give weight to the position of parent. So what does it look like to honor the Lord? Well, I think there are Three truths or three ideas through Scripture that teach us what it means to honor our parents, to honor our parents. So the first one is simply this, to honor your parents means to submit to them. It means to submit to them. It means to come under their uh, control. It means to be under their authority. Where do I understand this to be from? Well, when we have this idea of submit to, we find that the, the command is used in other places in the Bible. Particularly in the book of Leviticus, in the 19th chapter, we are told that a child is to revere his parents. And the idea of revere there is literally fear his parents. Now, some of us have caused our children to fear us, right? But that's, that's not what the word means. It's the same Hebrew word for revering or fearing the Lord. Now, you and I know that as we walk with the Lord, we do not walk around with a fear of the Lord that He's going to strike us with lightning. We fear Him out of awe and respect and honor, right? This is the idea of, of coming before Him. And so in Leviticus chapter 19, what we find is simply this. When this command is repeated, here's what we find. We find that children are to revere their parents. That means to give them the honor they deserve, to come under their authority. Literally, what's happening in our life is that God is giving to the parents a portion of his authority that they may be over the children. He's sharing his authority over children with parents. He's allowing them to come under the, the care of his watch to have the authority over children. And so we are to approach children the same way, or excuse me, approach parents the same way we approach God. We are to fear in awe and in respect. And this idea of submission means coming under authority. Now, why is this important? Because, brothers and sisters, if a child will not honor his parent, will not come under the authority of his parent, he's going to have problems. She's going to have problems the rest of her life. And ultimately, she's going to have problems in eternity. He's going to have problems in eternity. Why? Because if you will not come under submission to your parents, what chance will there be that you'll come under submission to God? And so the idea here is, is that honoring your parents begins to whet the appetite for submission to an authority that's over them. And we can see this played out in society. When a child comes under submission to their parents, most likely they're, they're inclined to come under submission to government officials. They're most likely to come under submission to school teachers. They're most likely to come under submission to the, to the nursery workers that are over them, places in authority. They've learned how to come under authority, which means their heart is more cultivated to come under God's authority. They're ready to walk under from one authority to another. Augustine would put it this way. He would say, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? If you won't honor your parents, then you certainly are, are hopeless in honoring anyone else. And so honoring your mother and father means first coming under submission. Now, this doesn't just mean obeying. 
Because you and I have all experienced obeying without honoring. We've obeyed our moms and dads and grumbled and got mad and fought them the whole way. While we did what they asked us to do, we certainly in our heart and in our attitude and our words did not honor them. But the goal here is to come under this authority. Not only does it mean to submit to when we say honor the Lord, but when we survey Scripture and find this idea of parents, we find not only submission to, but we find learning from. We're to learn from our parents. The reason why how we honor our parents is we submit to them and we learn from them. We learn from them. As a parent, we are expected to teach our kids stuff. We teach them things. We teach them how to tie their shoes and pour their own milk and brush their teeth and go to the potty, right? In the appropriate place at the appropriate time. That's the goal, right? That's what we're working towards. And so we, we teach them that. We teach them math and science. Over the last two months, my wife and I, have we've been teaching them uh, sixth grade math and fourth grade poetry and second grade science. And now I remember why I didn't like any of them, right? And so we've been teaching, we've been instructing, and this is, this is part of the idea that we instruct or we teach. So when you honor your mother and father, what you're saying is, I am coming under their leadership to learn. Proverbs 1.8 simply says this word, hear my son, your father's instruction, and not forsake your mother's teaching. I'm reminded of the young man who said, you know what? At 16, my parents were really, really, really foolish. But by 21, they had learned so much in those simple years. Well, that's the idea that we think our parents don't know anything, that they're out of the loop, that they're unwise. But yet it is in God's divine plan that he gives us parents in order that we may learn from them. And moms and dads, grandparents, our children, not sponges, They take in everything. They take in everything we say, everything we shouldn't have said. They take in all of our actions. They copy us. They obey. Well, okay, they copy us, right? They they do what we tell them. They're soaking it in. And so the idea here is that to honor your mom and dad, to honor your parents, is simply to learn from them. And then there's a third truth from this idea surveyed throughout Scripture, and that's simply this. How do we honor our father and mother? We submit to them, we learn from them, but we also care for them. Now this one, brothers and sisters, is actually probably more closer to the actual definition given here in, uh, in um, Exodus chapter 20. And the reason for that is, is because in the pagan nations around Israel, uh, the elderly were not uh, honored, right? And so when God brings the nation of Israel out, he sets a precedent to say to them that you are to constantly watch over and honor the aged. Those that are unable to care for themselves, those that can't make income anymore, should be honored. Now this is a struggle for us because we live in a society today that worships youth. We worship fast-moving, fast youth. We worship uh, all the products they sell to make us stay young and look young and feel young. We worship youth, and oftentimes when we become an older in age, we are moved aside. We are put out of the way. This is not the context in which Jesus or God calls the nation of Israel. He calls them in and says, we are to care for the elderly. Proverbs would tell us that gray hair is a crown of wisdom. Right? Some of you got some good-looking crowns today, right? It's a crown of wisdom. It is to be seen as a place of honor, right? That you're, you're, it's a crown of wisdom. 
This is so serious that God says in Leviticus, when he's retelling them about the Ten Commandments, Leviticus 19.32, we hear these words, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of the old man. Literally, the proverb here in Leviticus is, when the elderly parent walks in, rise in honor, show them respect. And he goes on to, to tie this to the idea of fearing the Lord. So how does one honor their parents? What does it mean to honor your father and mother? Well, here's simply what it means. You submit to their authority by obeying and following them and understanding that God has placed them over your life. Number two, you learn from them. You learn instruction from them. You learn what they have to teach. And then finally, you care for your parents as they move older. Now, let's make application to this to many of you this morning who may not have children in your home. You may not have parents necessarily living anymore. So, so what does this look like for you? Well, simply put, let's think about this from a parent's perspective. Moms and dads, grandparents, neighbor to that neighborhood child can I ask you a question. Are you living an example that's worth them honoring you? Are you living an example where they are easily saying, you know what, I'm going to honor my mom and dad. I'm going to honor my grandparents. I'm going to submit to them and come under them because I've watched them in the way they talk, the way they live, the way they walk, the way they love Jesus, that everything they say is for my good and I'm going to come under them. Let's think about it from a learning perspective. Moms and dads, grandparents, neighbors, whatever influence you have on the generation under you or next to you, are you teaching them things that are worthy to learn? I think about all the things that we teach our children. Man, it's just, a, it's just constantly we're learning stuff. We're teaching them. We're teaching them how to, how to do the, the normal everyday things. We're teaching them uh, the hobbies that we have. We teach them uh, how, to, how to hunt or, or fish. We teach them how to cook. We, we teach them how to clean. We're still working on that one. We teach them how to clean, right? We, we teach them about school. There's, we teach them how to hit a baseball. We teach them how to look both ways before they cross the road. We're teaching our children everything we can think of to pass down. And here is the question laid before us. If they learn everything we teach them, will they learn much of Jesus? Will they love Jesus more? Brothers and sisters, I am certainly wanting my children to know how to cook and drive and maybe shoot a deer. But I certainly don't want them to learn those things without learning about a Savior who died for them. And so moms and dads, as we think about children honoring us, let us live lives that are worthy to be honored. Let us live wives that give them. It's not hard for us to honor God. Why? Because we've watched him work in our lives. We know of the sacrifice he gave of Christ. Honoring God is easy. Can we not as parents work our way to where they will honor us? where they will see us as instructors of the gospel, as those who submit under his authority and willingly love them and care for them. And I think there's also this idea of, I want my children to care for me when I get older, so I'm certainly caring for them now. I'm setting an example in front of them, and they will watch me and my wife as we care for our parents, setting an example in front of them. I think about the example. Let, let me tell you about my mom and dad. My dad is a bivocational pastor and a school teacher my whole life. He retired from school teaching, he retired from pastoring, and he sold his dream home. He saved up living in pastorums our whole life. We lived in church-owned houses. When you live in a church-owned house, you were never allowed to have a dartboard inside or an animal in the house. We were never allowed to do anything like that. It was the church's house. We had to make sure we took care of it. Although if you go in the one in Randolph, Alabama right now, I'll guarantee you'll find a BB or a fish hook in the carpet somewhere, right? But we, were, we lived in the, in the home. And, and so they worked and they saved and they finally bought land. 
And they built a house, built it with their own hands, the beautiful home in the middle of 17 acres with a little pond in the back, the home that, that mom had always wanted, that dad had provided for her, and, and they lived in it, and it was great. And then their parents began to get elderly. And then God transitioned them to another church and another place. And I watched my mom and dad, without hesitating, put a for sale sign in the yard and sell the house and buy a single wide two bathroom trailer and put it behind my grandparents' house so they can live there and watch over them and take care of them. Nursing my grandmother all the way to eternity and now, even now, taking care of my 93-year-old papa who still lives by himself across the yard. My mom gave up her dream home to live in a single wide trailer in the middle of her life to be next to parents now that's an example i want that's an example of honoring your mother and your father this is what we are called to do in this text submit to them learn from them and care for them and so we see this in the text so the second question if we now understand what honoring means the second question is is simply this how, how why do we honor our parents why do we honor parents? Why should we honor our father and mother? Well, there's two answers to this found in this verse. Again, we're, we're preaching from one verse, so we're having to survey the Scripture to, to find the context. But there's, there's two questions or two answers to this that are very clear. The first answer is simply this. Here's why you should honor your father and mother, because God said so. Is that not the most parent statement in all the world, right? When your kids start to do something, when your grandkids start to do something, they start to ask you, what's the first statement parents learn? Because I said so. And then they usually begin to get smart and follow up with why. Why? And if you're like me, you, you want your children to learn to reason and think, so you'll entertain that for a little while. Well, because of this reason and this reason and this reason and this reason. And then finally you get to that point where you look them in the face and you say, because I said so. Right? Because I said so. Well, one of the reasons why we are to honor our father and mother is because God said so. It's in the Ten Commandments. Remember, he didn't give us 11 commandments. There aren't 12. There are 10. There are 10 words in the Hebrew that God gave us as the standard of his eternal law and how we are to show our love for him. And in the 10, what makes the list is honor your father and mother. God takes this very serious. In fact, in the Old Testament, he took it so serious among the nation of Israel that there were penalties if you didn't honor your father and mother. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, listen to the penalty of this. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. It was serious. Now, why would God be so serious? Well, there's a little bit of historical context here. They're forming a nation. They're starting their own nation right there at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and they'll soon move into the promised land, and there is no nation that survives when the family is in chaos. There is no nation that will survive if children do not follow the instruction of parents. So he's setting the tone very clearly. If you want to survive as a nation, if you want to make it in stability, if you want your society to thrive, then your children must obey your parents. Because if children don't obey or honor their parents, chaos will ensue and societies will fall apart. And you watch it. In every modern nation, including our own, society attacks the family. It goes in and removes the family from authority, removes the parents. Now we are told that our parents don't know anything. We send our kids off to colleges where they're taught by professors. That's your parents' old way of thinking. Here's a new way of thinking and beginning to attack the authority of 
parents, and we have to train our children to be mindful of these things. And so we know that God takes it serious. In Romans chapter 1, when Paul is listing the sins that separate us from God, he lists some grievous sins, adultery and murder and maliciousness and lying and evil. He actually says our hearts are evil factories. And right in the middle of this grotesque list of sins, he says dishonoring your father and mother. He puts it right there with all of the others, that this is a, a base, a debasement of, of deep proportion. And so God takes it serious. He celebrates it, though. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything. Why? For this pleases the Lord. Why should we honor our mother and father? Because God said so. It's good to Him. It's pleasing. Ephesians 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. This is good to the Lord. So why should we honor our mother and father? Because God has said so. But there's a second reason. Look at the verse. Let's see the second half of the verse. We should honor our father and mother because it brings blessing. It brings blessing to us. Look at uh, the text there in, in chapter 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Now he gives the nation of Israel a promise. Now we, we got to be very careful here. This is, first of all, a promise to the nation of Israel. So we don't want to lift it out of context, right? So he's looking at the nation of Israel and he says, if you honor your father and mother, then you're going to have social stability. And when you have social stability, your society will thrive. And as long as you're having house stability, then you'll have neighborhood stability, which will have nation stability, which will cause you to live in harmony in the land that I am giving you. And if you read the story of Israel, their families fell apart, their nations fell apart, then their kings fell apart, and then the nation fell apart because they didn't obey the Lord. So we shouldn't read this as a blanket promise. Just because you say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am does not mean you'll live to be a hundred. And just because you uh, didn't say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, does not mean that your life will somehow be cut short. It's not a blanket promise that if you obey, you'll get more years. It is a principled promise. It is like the Proverbs. It is a wisdom of collection that is good to know. And just think about it in a common sense way. If you grow up obeying and honoring your parents, it's probably going to go better for you. It's probably going to work out better. You're probably not going to have as many bumps and bruises. You're not going to make as many mistakes. You're going to have a better relationship with them. You're going to get their wisdom. You're going to gain from their influence. And so we know as, as anyone that we've all had experiences where there were children who grew up, rebelled against their family, and their life was stricken with, with problems from one and the other. Now, there are exceptions to the rules. There are really good parents and their children turn and go to sin. There are really terrible parents and their children turn to God and grow away. There's always exceptions to the rule. But in generic, the rule here is simply this. If you obey your parents and honor them, it's going to go well for you. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, where we find this commandment given again, it literally says not living long in the land. It says you will prosper. You'll have blessings by honoring your father and your mother. I, I could just name a few because of the relationship I have with my parents. We've been blessed by my mom and dad with their physical presence in our life, even in adulthood, with their financial help throughout the years of our life. But we've been blessed because I can call them now and get wisdom and prayer and encouragement. And so I know that the blessing of honoring your parent, it does last a long time, is good to have. And so this is the promise, the blessing that comes from it, that we honor our mom and dad. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20, it says, if you don't do this, your lamp will be put out. 
And in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, it says, this one is, is one of my favorites to kind of chuckle at. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey his mother will be picked out by the ravens in the valley and eaten by vultures. Now, I almost put up a visual aid for that one, but I thought that might be a little bit harsh. But, but, the, but the proverb here is, again, when you read Proverbs, it's a collection of wisdom based on what is always moving towards the truth, right? So it's, it's true, but that doesn't mean that every kid that disrespects his father is going to have his eyes gouged out by a vulture. And it doesn't mean that every child that lives in an honoring way isn't going to have something terrible happen to them. But in general, the promise of the Scripture is, if you follow the Lord and obey and submit to your parents, then you're going to receive blessings from it. So how do we honor the Lord? We submit to our parents, we learn from our parents, and we care for our parents. Why do we do this? Because the Lord has said so, and because blessings come. Now here's the final question I want to ask you, and I want to answer it for you, and it's simply this. What does honor your father and mother have to do with the gospel? What, what does this have to do with following the Lord? What does it have to do? Well, certainly there's the obedience factor, and there's all this kind of stuff. But, but to answer this question, I want to take you to a familiar uh, story in the New Testament. In fact, it's a story that's pretty famous about a son who decided not to follow the fifth commandment. The story is found in the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter, and the story is called the prodigal son. And Jesus tells the story. He gathers up around his disciples and Jewish leaders of the day. The Sadducees and the Pharisees are eavesdropping in. And Jesus begins to tell a story about the prodigal son. And just as I say that, many of you know what I mean by this story. But just to refresh your memory, the prodigal son, Jesus tells a parable. It's not a true story, but it's a true story that teaches, or excuse me, a parable that teaches a true lesson. And in the lesson, here's what happens. A father has a son, and he raises his son. He cares for his son. He loves his son. And all the evidence of the scripture is that the father is a good man, a wholesome man, a God-honoring man. But that son, at the right age, somewhere probably around 18, right? At the right age, that son decides to break the fifth commandment. That son decides to look at his father and say, I don't want to honor you anymore. I don't want to submit to you anymore. I don't want to learn from you anymore. I want to scorn you. I want to dishonor you. I want my money and I want to go my way and I don't care what happens to you. You can care for yourself. And he totally breaks the fifth commandment. He breaks several commandments along the way. But he gathers up his belongings and he takes off. Now you got to understand now that you know the context of the fifth commandment, you got to know that when Jesus is telling this story, the Jewish nation that's listening to Jesus tell this story, they are furious because they know the Old Testament. They live by the Old Testament at this time when Jesus is teaching it. So you know what they're thinking? They're thinking Leviticus chapter 19, somebody catch that boy and stone him. He broke the fifth commandment. He has cursed his mother. I hope the vultures get his eyes before he gets to the end of the driveway. That's what they're thinking. And rightly so, because that's what they've been taught through the Scripture. That's how God takes the fifth commandment. Then the story goes on that this prodigal son runs off, lives a life of debauchery and sin and chasing everything he can chase that the world would give him, running out of money and ending up eating from a pig trough in someone's farm. And then he wakes up and he says, I'll limp home, I'll tell my dad I'm sorry, and hopefully he'll take me in as a servant. And you know how the story goes. Before he could even make it home... The father who's been scorned, dishonored, and shamed and has every right to stone this child runs out and grabs him and hugs him. And the Bible says that he puts the best coat on him, his coat, and has a feast for him. Now wait a minute. He broke the fifth commandment. He dishonored his father and mother. This is one of the ten. 
Leviticus says he should be stoned. What are we doing in this story? So you can feel as Jesus tells it, all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jewish leaders riling up with anger, saying, this ain't right, Jesus. This ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. And here is the point of the story for you and for me. Brothers and sisters, we have broken the fifth commandment. God, our Father in heaven, deserves all of our honor and submission. We should hear every word He has to say and obey it. And yet, in our sin, we rebelled and we run and we said, God, we don't care about You. And we ran to the world and we fell in our pig pen, if you will. And then, lo and behold, we came to our senses and we thought to ourselves, we'll limp back to God. We'll ask God for forgiveness. Maybe He'll let us in. And what does God do? He runs down that driveway with arms wide open and He grabs us and He hugs us and He brings us in. And He doesn't put just an old rag he coat on us he clothes us in righteousness and he doesn't just invite us to a feast one time on a farm he invites us to the marriage supper of the lamb that will last forever but here's the difference between the story of the prodigal son and our story in the story of the prodigal son we hear the shame that the father takes by bringing the son back in but we never hear what he does with the shame brothers and sisters in real life not in the prodigal son but in real life i know what god did with the shame when i dishonored him You know what God did with that shame? He laid it on the shoulders of Jesus, the son who never broke the fifth commandment. The son who always honored his father and mother. The son who always did what he was supposed to do. The son who even from the cross looked down and said, somebody take care of my mama, I care about her. That son, the son who did everything right, went to the cross and my disobedience as a lost prodigal was laid on his shoulder. So now I can stand before God and say, God, I've not kept the fifth commandment, but Jesus has kept it for me. And Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the glorious truth of the gospel, that we've broken the fifth commandment every direction possible when it comes to our heavenly Father, and yet Jesus kept it perfectly, and He gives us His obedience. Glory to God, the fifth commandment means that Christ has done it for me. He's done it for me. So let us close with this. Maybe this morning you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, my parents are lost. They're in sin, and they're running against me. Well, this commandment is not a blanket to obedience. We are never called to obey anyone that would lead us away from God, lead us into harm or abuse. That's not what the commandment calls for. Jesus would say, I've come to turn mother against daughter and brother against each other. The gospel divides. We know that. So our first allegiance is always to the Father in heaven, to the Savior which has redeemed us. But in every way we can, And in every instant possible, we are to honor our father and mother, regardless of their age. And whichever direction we can, and however we live, we should live lives worthy of the generation under us, honor and listen, right? I want to honor my parents until the Lord calls them home, and I want to live a life that my children will find it easy to honor me. They'll know that I have the best intention for them. And so what does this look like? Well, maybe this morning, let me close with just a couple of questions. Maybe this morning, some of you just need to pick up the phone and call your mama. You need to call your dad. You need to speak to them. Some of you say, well, my mom and dad have long been with Jesus. Then call your sons or daughters, your grandchildren. Tell them you love them. Tell them you want to be an example for them. If they've been children that have honored you along the way, then thank them. Thank you for obeying the commandment. Thank you for being a child. Now, with my parents... They were grateful to have me because my brother was terrible. 
That, that was a joke, by the way. But I, I'm so grateful for my, my mom and dad. I want to make sure they know I'm, I'm thankful. It's easy to honor them. It's easy to obey them and follow them. Even that our relationship has changed now because I'm now in a new family, cleaving to my wife and left my mother and father. But I still honor them. I'm still listening to them. So maybe for you, that's the case. Maybe, maybe it's just the idea that you got a niece or a nephew or a neighbor. Maybe it's a Sunday school class you teach. You're influencing little ones. And you want to show them an example of what a godly mother or father would look like. That's, that's what it means. For some of you, it might mean repentance. You might have burned the bridge a long time ago through anger and sin, and it's a matter of walking back. Uh, for some of you, it's a matter of patience. And here's what I mean, and I'll be done. You've done nothing that you can do, or excuse me, let's put it this way. You've done nothing wrong. You've tried your very best. God knows your heart. God knows you've prayed. God knows you've tried to, to set an example. And your child or your parents have gone off. They've gone the way of the world. They've left their teaching, their instruction. They've left their obedience. They've left their honor. And there's nothing in your hands that you can do about it. You've tried everything possible. Then, then here's what I would just simply offer to you. Rest in the fact that the Heavenly Father is the perfect parent and He loves His children. He loves His children. And that one day when we stand before Him... That fifth commandment will be finally fulfilled forever. And there will be no more dishonor and no more sin and no more brokenness running loose on this world. This is the glory of the fifth commandment. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to stand and sing. We're going to sing a song. We've we left ourselves time to sing a whole song together. We're going to sing about the Lord and how He's rescued us through His amazing grace. If you want to speak to me, if you want a time for me to just pray for you or you want to respond in some way, here's what I just simply ask you to do. When Micah gets through leading us in song, we're going to dismiss. And we're going to dismiss kind of from the back out so we don't walk over each other. So just give people time. But if you just want to stay and talk to me, I'll be in the room, well, until 12 o'clock today. Uh, and so I would love to stay and pray with you and talk with you. All right? So let's stand together. Let me pray for us. And Micah and the guys are going to come and ladies are going to come and we're going to sing uh, together. Father, as we stand to pray, we are reminded from your word that you are a good, good father, that you love us, uh, and that there is nothing we can do to lose your love because you're the father who runs after us and hugs us even in our sin. And we thank you that Jesus has kept all the commandments perfectly, including the fifth one. He honored you with his life. He laid down his life for us. He took our sin and our rebellion on his shoulders. Lord, for the parents and the grandparents, the one who has influence over a neighbor's child or a Sunday school teacher, I pray we live lives of parents that would be worthy of honor and respect. And for those of us in the room that we have children that we influence, uh, Lord, may we speak much of Jesus. For those in the room that still have their parents, that still have those over them, whether it be a, a, a biological parent or just someone who's just really influenced them as a mother or father, Lord, may they honor them and respect them and care for them. Lord, we want to obey your word because it's your word. And we know we show our love to you and how we love and follow your word. And so, Lord, uh, may we do that. Bless us now, Father, as we sing as your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.